0: Amateur drinking, professional drinking by Birdie Buddies. If you want to hit them straight out there, please check out Fairway Rolling every week. Available on Spotify. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. It's The Answer. I am Chris Ryan, and I'm joined by Sirit Soey. What's up, Sirit?
2: I'm good. I'm just admiring your tan and your hat. I was off for a couple of days,
1: and while I was gone, it seems like half the stars in the NBA turned to their their employers and said, nice NBA franchise you got there. Shame if something happened to it.
2: (laughs) It's like, yeah, they're holding holding a lot of franchises hostage but i'm not really sure if they have a gun no really. no i mean yeah.
1: it, when when that i think that that saying like comes from like early like 1930s mafia right like you know, you would just, it's not extortion. Mm-hmm. It's just a suggestion. Sure. But we're going to talk about uh, some of the goings and comings of the NBA free agency. Obviously, we are recording this at 3.30 p.m. on a Saturday. Hope everybody's having a nice long weekend. The most recent news that I think we should probably update people on is that Zion Williamson signed a new deal with the New Orleans Pelicans. I believe it's for $193 million. But it can go up to 231 million dollars if Zion Williamson makes an All NBA team, wins the NBA MVP, or wins Defensive Player of the Year uh, next season. So, uh, or is it is it next season or is it throughout the the totality of his deal? I guess it would be next season, right? Yeah. The accelerator. Mm-hmm. So Zion. Now, also, it's worth noting. As a, a concept that I'm learning all about in the last 24 hours, cannot be traded for Kevin Durant, which is going to be another component of what we talk about today—the KD trade talk, all the rumors surrounding that. Uh, Siri, your thoughts on Zion uh, and New Orleans repairing their marriage?
2: You know, it's 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 funny to me. Obviously, Zion is—you know—if you can, you don't have a choice. Like, you kind of have to lock him down. But the fact that this is like a really big win for the Pelicans, just because he's not leaving. It's kind of funny to me considering how many games he's played in the time sure. that he's been an NBA player. Uh, but yeah, you know what? Like, it's it kind of... It's fitting. This is kind of just like the season and the sport of of hypothetical players and, and hypothetical teams. So this is just the NBA now. Do you think that
1: there was anything to... Uh, like, a something to learn from what New Orleans did in the second half of last season where they didn't sit on their laurels. They went out and got CJ McCollum. You saw the emergence of of Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado and all these scrappy young players that Griffin had brought in, David Griffin had brought in. They make this playoff run, so to speak, which is, you know, it still it ends with a first-round exit, but the promise was there And Mm -hmm. like, do you think that that made this decision easier for Zion? Because he had, you know, when he came out at the end of the Pelican season and was like, I couldn't, I can't sign this thing fast enough. Mm -hmm. If you put it in front of me, I can't wait. Willie Green. I love the energy. CJ, BI, like, let's go. That really seemed to like change the, the vibe around the Pelicans. And it might be like a lesson going forward for other NBA teams, which is like, you're never out of the fight until you tap out.
2: Yeah, I also don't know how much of the noise about Zion being unhappy and him wanting to go to New York was actually coming from Zion himself or his mm-hmm. family. Um, his, his stepdad did an interview on um, New Orleans radio, basically just asserting that fact and that nothing is coming from, nothing you hear about him being wanting out of New Orleans is, is coming from him. And now, obviously, everybody's going to say that in that situation, but considering how quickly things were, quote unquote, resolved. Mhm. Um just kind of suggest that there might be some truth there. Like maybe maybe certain actors in the NBA were trying to create a little bit of smoke or maybe there was smoke that they were trying to p- create like it turn into fire and it seems like maybe everything's okay and New Orleans is a pretty good small market story.
1: Yeah, there's a really like a funny moment we're having right now where there's a tremendous amount of like psychoanalysis and dream journaling and fanfic going on. That kind of more reminds Visualize- me of uh,
2: visualization challenges, really. You know, well, it kind of reminds
1: me of like the way political reporting changed, like five years ago when Trump came into office or whatever. Like, like as it started to be, like you get these like Maggie Haberman pieces where it's like thirty-five anonymous people are telling me this about like Trump's mind state and hear mm-hmm. all these like things that he's been saying. Like, and that's it. It's it's just been interesting to watch the The coverage of these last couple of days, and the I think like I saw something where it was like Windhorst was like Steve Nash is opening a fine bottle of wine tonight after the KD <laughs> trade request, and I was like, is he? Like, did you do? Does he? Does Steve Nash have a fine bottle of wine that he's been saving for the moment that Kevin Durant requested a trade, or is this kind of like? more of a metaphor for, like, how, like, Steve Nash is feeling. We've really entered, like, the outer rim, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, this this, this happens sometimes on July 4th weekend.
2: Nash does feel like an expensive wine type of guy. I feel like all
1: those dudes have gotten super into wine.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of, that's... It's something that's sort of showing itself across the NBA right now because, I mean, it's kind of at the core of the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving question, right? Like, Uh how much do you want to deal with off the court and what version of a championship are you willing to win and and you know what kind of things do you want it to mean for your franchise essentially mm-hmm. it's like the built versus bought idea but we're we're now like extrapolating it and getting into it and thinking about what it means like on a deep psychological level to 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 build something on your own and like watch it grow versus like bring it in and I don't know everyone's different by the way sure. right <laughs> like, yeah um, yeah it's it's interesting it's interesting the Durant yeah. thing we're
1: about to find out how different people actually are because like the right. Durant the Durant trade mm-hmm. request and the specter of him being available is like a real test of people's uh. <laughs> Cultures, I think, sure. you know, like these franchise cultures that get th- that, that idea yeah. gets tossed around like, oh, these guys are really developing culture. It's like, if Kevin Durant's available, what's your culture worth?
2: Right. That's kind of like, let's uh, kind of go back to what you said at the front of the podcast, right? Like, it's more like, hey, it's a, it's a nice culture you got there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> be, be, t- be ashamed if Kevin Durant had a trade request. <laughs> um, We can get into Kevin Durant, uh, but I wanted to start uh, speaking of wine with a French varietal. Let's let's talk a little nice. bit about the Rudy Gobert Gobert trade. Uh, obviously, Rare NBA Show hit that yesterday, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. Um, if I had told you that that was the haul for Kevin Durant, that that was the that, that was what Minnesota traded for Kevin Durant, would you? What would you say to that? Because I think that that the idea of this Gobert deal being almost like this strange market setter for Durant is the thing I'm most curious about. We can just go over the details of the Gobert trade in case anybody needs them. It's the Timberwolves get Rudy and then the Utah Jazz receive Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Walter Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt, and a man named Leandro Balmaro, who I've never heard of before, frankly, but was described by the uh, Salt Lake Tribune's Andy Larson as Joe Ingles without a jump shot. Uh, it's also how then, I describe myself. <laughs> aren't we all really Joe Ingles without a jump shot? And then four first round picks, 2023, 2025, 2027, and a top five protected pick in 29. So that was what Minnesota sent out for for Rudy. And so then it becomes, what the hell is a fair package for Kevin Durant then, right?
2: Yeah, so like... It feels like five seconds ago, we were talking about how first round picks were one of the most coveted assets in the NBA and how nobody wants to trade them. And it used to actually be pretty difficult to get like, you know, if you got like three first round picks in a trade, it probably meant that there was like a pretty solid return coming back. Right. Um I think a lot of things have happened to change that Uh, rookie contracts have gotten more expensive too, right? Especially at the lottery level where they're not exactly that bargain that they used to be probably second round picks have become more valuable for that now. Uh, But we're, we're in strange territory right now. We're in really strange territory. Like these teams are just kind of bargaining their entire futures on, on moves that are interesting. Like I'm very interested in how Gobert looks at the five and and cat at the four, and then the other one you can talk about is Trey and and Deontay Murray, um, that backcourt, mm-hmm. um, you know, like any 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 championship level team like has those kind of like wrinkles that they have to address, and like you know, are these two going to be able to play together? Is this is going to look weird. Like that's we'll see, right? Like that'll be kind of fun to suss out throughout the season. But right now we're in these situations where like neither of those guys is necessarily turning you into a championship team yet. And you've now kind of bargained your future. And we just saw with the KD trade request, how much the fortunes of Houston have changed because they basically kind of they got yeah, the same type Rafael of picks. Raphael still
1: looks like an absolute genius. Yeah. They yeah. got the
2: same kind of pick package from the Nets for for Harden and all those picks were unprotected. It's They have the 2024, 2026 first round picks and pick swaps in 2023, 2025, and 2027. That's basically their picks. Like having a pick mm-hmm. swap in that situation that's unprotected is like you you have... There is no point. Like this, the, the Nets could just make like the Suns and forget about the draft. And just not even put any resources there, you know, for the next five years, because it just doesn't matter (laughs) to them. And that just looks like a much bigger deal now that, that Durant's out. And, you know, we'll see what happens with these teams. Like there maybe there's maybe they feel like they don't run the same level of risk. And there's reason to believe that on both ends. They have guys that are locked in for longer. But I don't know, man, like the Hawks just missed a play in. Right? Like, uh-huh. It's not like they're a bonafide fide playoff team. Um, and the Wolves are also just like they're in the West and the West is gonna be healthier and stronger. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean the, We'll see, takeaway, right? I like have one injury, the... right? It, it takes one injury or one trade demand. Like let's say let's say this doesn't work out and Carl Towns, you know, a, a year from now wants out. Like that's brutal for for your future now and that like those picks really hurt and let's say this team then instead actually it all works out and they go to the finals and and they're pretty much like a top five team those picks are like the top 25 top 30 yeah and then Utah is like we
1: traded a franchise player for a bunch of role guys and picks that were essentially like total dice rolls yeah I mean the only thing I can really take and we can we can chat a little bit about like what Rudy means for Minnesota and whether or not it, how he changes their their potential or changes their ceiling I just think, like, it's pretty obvious, like, from this takeaway... Like, my takeaway is, like, rich guys like redecorating. (laughs) And so, Utah and Minnesota, both with relatively or brand new ownership groups uh, or owners. New front offices, Tim Conley in Minnesota, Danny Ainge, obviously having uh, some say in what's going on with Utah, if not final say. And those guys have, like, no... Uh, emotional or psychological investment necessarily in the teams that they inherited. So Danny Ainge was not brought in to be sentimental about Rudy and Donovan figuring it out together. And Mark Laurie and A-rod and Tim Conley are not like maybe satisfied with like what they saw from Minnesota. They want to push harder and push farther than that. And so they got Carl Towns a bodyguard. And I think in the short term, they'll probably be if I had to guess, I think that they will be a, a upper half of the Western Conference playoff team. That's that's like my like you know not not it's like a way too early projection without knowing where Kevin Durant's going.
2: Yeah, they run far less risk, I think, than the Hawks do of flaming out and becoming really bad somehow. Like just you have insurance with Anthony Edwards too. Like if if Gobert, Edwards, and Cat something happens, like okay, tough. Like that's yeah. what are you going to do about it? But the other thing to me is just like when you consider how young. Edwards is and how young Jaden McDaniels is, I'm kind of like, well, don't you don't you want to take one more shot at the draft? You know,
1: mm-hmm. Just I add- mean, that totally makes sense. And it's not like Tim Conley has Tim Conley has shown that he's good at drafting from the middle of the first round. <laughs> you know, like he's gotten some pretty good players out of mm-hmm. there for Denver the last couple of years.
2: And also, you know, to his credit, maybe that's part of the reason he's not worried about it as well mm-hmm. like maybe he thinks that he can find guys in the second round like th- that's one thing with the Nuggets is that that team had to be very uh resourceful right so they had to find guys kind of out of nowhere right and I think that they were they were a really creative drafting team like um one of the things that I, I remember from like I went there a couple of years ago but um they just like to go for guys that like May not be like conventionally athletic sometimes, right? And that's something I think that we now all understand, especially like in a in a post luka post Jokic world. But they were kind of early on, early on that, right? Um, and they tried bull-bull, and like he's tried putting, he's had this, he's had the same problem before, like the the same problem he has with Cat is a problem that he has with Jokic. Like you have a generationally talented offensive player who makes everybody around him better, um, who also just like can't defend at all, yeah, right? And right. I also think like you know cat's cat had some good rim protection moments in the playoffs as well like he's not quite he's he's more athletic than Jokic as well i don't think he's like doomed to be a perennial disaster on that end yeah um yeah, it, yeah i don't know i'm i'm really curious about like this team on the floor when when we no, get to I, see that like it's going to be it's going to be fascinating just like how do you build around a guy like cat and you know from the lens of
1: is Kat now going to turn into Chris Bosh because Anthony Edwards is mm-hmm. Dwayne Waite? You know what I mean? Like, is there kind of an element here where we're turning, like, Kat into maybe a little bit more of a complementary scorer? Not, not that Gobert is going to somehow um, take on, like, any of this offensive burden. Like, he's a mm-hmm. really r- good offensive player, I think, you know, in some ways underrated. But, like, I think that ultimately, like, he's he's known for his defense, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I almost wonder whether bringing in Gobert and, like, kind of setting the lineup this way is. A step towards Anthony Edwards as the primary scoring option, as like the sort of maybe, maybe like kind of like that first that first option going mm-hmm. down the floor.
2: Yeah, maybe. I mean, Cat's definitely going to have to change his game, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's just not going to be that much room for him to operate in. Um, I have thoughts on like, but we can we can do that a different day. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll save it
1: for the for the, the Minnesota Chronicles. Um, so anyway, the the trade package that went back for Gobert. Mm-hmm. Do you think that we're in an era now where you can have a market setting thing and that Brooklyn can say look the four picks at least you know that you you exchanged for uh for Rudy Gobert like that's the starting asking point for Durant and we also want a young all-star back in in return or are we in to borrow the phrase from the wire a yesterday's price is not today's price zone and every deal is its own little disneyland of of like psychological, economic, political like chess pieces that get moved around. And so there you know, you can have something where it's like the whether it's the Kawhi deal which felt like you didn't really get much in return for a guy who wanted out like Kawhi Leonard did with the Spurs to the Raptors or you get like huge hauls like you know, I maybe you could go back and say what now in retrospect, what Houston got for James Harden sending him to Brooklyn. It's kind of like I mean, Anthony I'm Davis to, and Ingram is Anthony the Davis. One. The yeah. Anthony Davis trade, obviously, is a huge, huge, huge franchise chasing hall, like franchise saving hall, and r- r- maybe even for New Orleans. So what do you think about that? Like what it means for Durant and what it means for what Brooklyn's gonna ask for him.
2: Yeah, so apparently, um in you know, talks with the Nets, the Wolves you know, we're we're asked for basically Carl Anthony Towns or or Anthony Edwards. And that was kind of a deal breaker and that pro is what sent them over to Gobert. Um I think it's somewhere in the middle of what you said, because I think you're gonna see four first round picks and picks and three pick swaps probably just like tacked onto the end of every single deal that we see at this point. Um, but at the same time, like the market isn't awesome right now. Um, And a lot of that is because of that designated rookie uh, extension thing that we were talking about earlier. Basically, you can't have two of those guys, uh, two guys signed to that extension that you traded for. And the Nets traded for Ben Simmons, who's on that contract. Um, It's kind of like, it's kind of a cruel irony because if they never traded Harden for Simmons, like there's a bunch of guys that'd be able to pursue right now. Like Bam Adebayo, De'Aaron Fox, Shea Gildress Alexander, Donovan Mitchell, Michael Porter Jr. Darius Garland, Zion Williamson, uh, John Murat. Um, And not not to say all those, I didn't mention all the all the guys that are on those contracts. Um, you know, like Booker is on one of those deals. And Booker yeah. is also a guy that they presumably wanted. Cat is also not not now not gettable on that since he's also signed his Supermax too. Uh, so there's some guys on that list that you just aren't going to get anyways. But like when I think about what I'd want if I was a Nets, I would want that hall of picks and I would want like a, bonafide, guaranteed, like, this guy is a star type of player coming back. Like, I would want both. Um, and right now, there's not a lot of the, the star available, right? Like, that's kind of that's kind of the issue. So, I don't know. Yeah, and then you like, get
1: into, like, the kind of weird nether regions of, like, what's KD gonna accept? Because, I guess you could theoretically do... Uh, wait, so you could, they, could you do KD even for SGA? So you couldn't, right?
2: No, you can't do that. There's a lot of guys that just takes out.
1: So I guess you could, could you do like KD for Chet, Dort,
2: and like 10 picks? I don't know if you can trade Dort right now, but... Right. Okay, yeah. God, see, this yeah. is hard. Yeah. It is, and also like the max, the max amount of picks is seven. I mean, it's really four in picks swaps. You know what? I, yeah. yeah, I mean, but like yeah, whatever, like, like the, the most, the most yeah. picks
1: that Presty could put in a deal, and it's right. like even even so, would like, Kevin Durant be like, I'm not going back to Oklahoma? You know, of course he probably. Yeah.
2: Did. Well, that's the other end of this that like, I and mean, we should get to a little bit later too. Is like, well, who's going to have the appetite for this and who isn't, right? Right. Um, but yeah, it just I don't see. I don't see an awesome market right now. Um, and this morning, the uh, the odds shifted. Um, the odds are going to shift over and over again. Yes. Uh, but right now, it's basically the Suns are minus two hundred to get Durant, plus seven hundred he stays in the Nets, and the Raptors are plus seven fifty. So essentially, it's like he's going to the Nets, or he's probably staying. in it, or sorry, he's going to the Suns, or he's probably staying. And it looks like he's probably going to the Suns. Like they pretty much are the only team that can put together the offer that Katie wants, um, the promise that he would also want to stay there. Right. And like, you know, like send, send back, they could send back Aiton, Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson and all the picks. So they the can world, do that right? even
1: though Mikael Bridges signed an extension. Yeah. Cause it wasn't the max, right?
2: Well, it was, it'll, it'll kick in this year too. So it just okay. won't be, yeah. Um, but he also he didn't sign like a designated rookie max like this applies basically to I mean unfortunately for the nets it applies to pretty much to the best of the best young talent yeah. <laughs> um so the the suns are pretty much the only team that could put together a package that's really good and also not lose so much that they won't be a championship contender also have you know a promise that KD would want to be back there so that's kind of it. Like, honestly, if I'm the Suns at this point, I'm kind of saying, like, I don't know if we're giving you, Cam Johnson. Like, if this goes down today, right? This is going to shift over right. and over again, right? At this point, if I'm the Suns, I'm like, man, I don't know. Like, who else, who who do you got here? Because, like, um, today, uh, Sam Amick reported that KD only wants to play with... He wants to... If he goes to Heat, he wants to stay... He wants Bam Adebayo, Lowry, and Jimmy Butler staying. So that basically means that you're you know, you're putting together an offer around Tyler Hero and the it's Heat tough, have tough like far less draft Benson. equity. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. It is.
1: Um, <laughs> Gabe Vincent was like, I thought it was on the keeper list. It's tough.
2: <laughs> yeah. I was a Heat lifer. Um, so that's, you know, like, even I mean, I don't know, even Haslam could be on the on the table for, for the Heat if they want to make it work. And I don't know. I don't know how much you like buy into the idea of like, they're only going to make the exact deal that KD wants. Like, we'll kind of have to see with all those things. But,
1: A lot Uh, of saber rattling back and forth either way. I mean, the way it was initially reported where it sounded like the Nets were working in conjunction with KD's reps to find an equitable solution to this situation for everybody Mm -hmm. made it sound slightly more amicable, I think. And maybe even in that case, like the fact that the Nets are still the second favorites to retain his services here is notable, I guess. I, I thought that... Obviously, when the DeAndre Ayton uh, odds to the Nets became like a huge story a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. that was the first sort of volley in this in this whole account. And I thought that that was, I, I, I annoyingly so. Like I find that those things are definitely like pretty interesting predictors of future events, and you know, kind of predicted Brexit pretty accurately, and maybe c- predicted the Kev Kev exit from Brooklyn. I don't know what that would be. The the exit, like the like he, <laughs> he he like he had it? Like it was a it, yeah, but it was a good signal that that might happen, and it makes the most sense. And at the same time, I'm almost like disappointed because it's just like it's not that I really necessarily have any kind of investment in like the Suns making another run with the team that they had assembled. Although I love the team that they assembled, it's kind of more just like what does it mean for the state of signing a four or five year contract. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of the most, not egregious, but pronounced example that you have of like, well, this doesn't really mean anything if you sign a guy like Kevin Durant for four years and think you can just like go to sleep at night not worrying about this. And maybe that some of that is like the Kyrie devil on the shoulder thing. Maybe some of it is just Durant was always going to kind of be like this way and was always just going to be like, you can sign me to four years or I can keep doing one one and one and one and one and we can keep it going for as long as it works. But obviously, something got broken in that relationship. I wonder if we'll ever find out, like, what it was. Because I still... If it really is just Kyrie, this all seems really silly to me.
2: Yeah. um, It seems like... I don't know. We don't really know. It seems like it is Kyrie. Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I love my friends. (laughs) But there's a bug coming, right? Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't get it. I just don't get it. Um uh, it just it seems like Kyrie's just kind of hitched his wagon to, to Kevin's success on some way. And, but they're not gonna yeah. play together again. We don't know that. That that's I, why this is also <laughs> fascinating, right? Like everything that you're saying too about the four years and and how this is like the most uh, you know, egregious version of a player kind of just saying, well, yeah, like my contract doesn't really matter. I want out. Um, we'll see, right? Like if we could get the perfect scenario with the Suns where it just happens to be the combination of best offer and, you know, KD is happy too. But if it's not that, then I'm going to be interested to see if he actually gets to go where he wants to go. Yeah. Because we There's don't really know am- that for sure. Like they just decided right now that they weren't going to, you know, basically, you know, out to Kyrie's demands. Just like you know, a week ago, and maybe they're facing the consequences of that right now. But I, I wouldn't necessarily say that this is going to be a situation where he gets everything that he wants. Like we're just, I don't know, we're we're not quite there yet.
1: I there's a scene. Have you ever seen that movie Margin Call? No. Okay, so it's this. uh It's this movie uh, about the 2008. 2008- Um, stock market crash, about the subprime mortgage crash. And it's this set in this investment bank over the course of one night where they realize essentially that the market is going to collapse because of them and that they're holding like way more debt than the market cap of the company itself at this brokerage firm, this investment firm or whatever. And there's a scene where one of the bankers says to Jeremy Irons, who runs the, the whole entire firm, Jeremy Irons has said like, Dump, dump our holdings. Like, just dump all this like toxic debt back into the market. Sell at like pennies on the dollar. And the guy who's told this dude, the guy's like, "If you do this, you will kill the market." And and he's just like, "Do you understand what I'm saying?" And then Jeremy Irons is like, "Do you?" And it just kind of reminds me of that that whole scene was playing in my head when I was reading about Kevin Durant because I'm like, "This is going to come back up during CBA negotiations." Like, I I just can't really believe that the prices that people pay for NBA franchises will also come... Inside the price tag will also be the expected volatility of all NBA contracts not really meaning anything. Do you know what I mean? Like, this will come back up. And the thing it tests is, I'm sure Robert Sarver would not appreciate it if if Devin Booker did this to him but will happily take Kevin Durant off of Josiah's hands. You know what I mean? So where does the actual foot come down? That's the that's the thing I'm really curious about because I just think whether or not I agree with it or not, the foot
2: always comes down. hmm Do you think there could be a version of events where because this was a big market getting screwed, there just isn't that same level of outrage and there just isn't the same sort of like creation of a, you know, just a, a group of teams that, you know, are lobbying for just the curtailing of of player power? I don't even know if it's player power as much as it... It, it just seems like...
1: Guys are going to start asking what they're buying. It, mm-hmm. it, would, it, it would occur to me that that would happen at the price point that they're buying it at. Yeah. If the value of these franchises... Now, maybe it's just like, you get to be a part of the NBA and all NBA teams, whether it's Houston... Or Brooklyn, or Houston, and or or, you know who from the lower to the higher end in terms of like what's happening with the franchise Mm -hmm. at any given point are essentially these like money printing machines. I totally get Mm -hmm. that, and you can just see that the more money you spend, typically like the better chances you have. But I do wonder whether there's going to be some sort of long term ramifications from something like this happening. Now I'm sure it'll come out eventually what KD did and didn't want like about what happened here. And maybe he felt like certain promises were made to him that were then broken for whatever reason. It certainly seems like Brooklyn started out at one place with like their idea of building San Antonio East and then decided to blow that up at the opportunity to get Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and bring in Steve Nash to coach them because they didn't like Kenny Atkinson. And now it seems like the Steve Nash relationship has fallen apart. They could just keep bringing in new, new coaches, I guess. But they've decided... That they don't want to go along with this. I mean, the Joe Varden piece in The Athletic about Joe seemed pretty well sourced in terms of like where the sort of management of that franchise is at psychologically with this whole scenario, mm-hmm. which seems like they're ready to just punch out and they'd rather be a 40 win team that they were proud of than like whatever this circus is. So I, just, I guess I just like, I'm wondering about what the long term ramifications mm-hmm. are of the Durant trade, trade request.
2: I think we're seeing it in like the complete lack of Kyrie market. And then what also would happen to the KD market if Kyrie was also completely attached to him too. Right. Um, Yeah. I think, I think there's something very real about that. Like, you know, I think there's a reflection happening on like what kind of team that you actually do want to build and how you would enjoy winning. And like on some level, I think there's some billionaires that would see like the level of volatility in the NBA and get really excited about it, right? Um, yeah, but I think that would also just get kind of yeah. It's ir- not like I think
1: that these people made their money like through like a savings account. Like right. I'm sure that they <laughs> took advantage of uh, of market inefficiencies. And de- I-, I completely agree with you. This is not like altruistic money coming out of nowhere, and they're just like, gosh, I thought I was. Investing in Hoosiers and now it turns out that everybody's in it for themselves. You know,
2: like <laughs> I, I, I don't yeah. think they're that. Yeah, naive. like guy guy tearing down real estate properties, uh just just wants to build something, you know, just just wants to build something homegrown. Um but yeah, it's I think it's I think it's a shift on like just quality of life factors that I think people overall are just kind of considering more now. I think mm-hmm. we're kind of coming out of a post-pandemic world where just there's a there's been a mind shift mindset shift in terms of work for people universally so it's not surprising that i that the nba is also kind of going through it of like how much of a headache do i really want to go through for the sake of winning this thing like winning 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 as a concept has kind of also become sullied a little bit too right like the idea that you can be at the top of your craft in something but it's not necessarily going to solve everything else is something that i think people actually kind of believe before it before they have to go through the thing of it happening now, you know? I Where totally I-,
1: I totally agree with that. But, like, why do you care about the NBA? Like, do you care about the NBA because of what we're talking about today or because of Steph Curry bursting into tears at the end of Game 6 against Boston? I mean, the- and I, it doesn't have to be an either or. Right. It can be both. Yeah. But, like, I still... That's the 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 latter mm-hmm. is still like the thing that makes me interested in the sport.
2: Me too. Me too. And not to have like a conversation about KD and rings mattering, but that's also why the rings feel it's like they matter less. Definitely like, looming over <laughs> this. <laughs> <laughs> like um, that's that's why. It's like we saw how hard it looked for Curry. We saw how hard it looked for even a guy like Jimmy Butler not winning a championship. Like I think Jimmy Butler got more fans from Losing the finals and Kevin Durant got from winning the finals. Like there's a psychological aspect to all of this, where you know the search for a team, a super team that's potentially going to make things easier, kind of cuts against what people want to see from you. Like yeah. I think what KD was able to do in the twenty in the 2020 t- playoffs and like Game Seven, be completely just exhausted and depleted, got him probably a higher Q score than winning than the finals winning with <laughs> did. The you know,
1: you're right. You're right. Right. I mean, I think that also, like, the reason why I thought that was cool, or just to speak for myself, was I think winning should be hard. And I I think that, like, it's also really heartwarming and amazing to see, frankly, like, those three Warriors core members who just went through hell on, like, a variety of different levels for, you know, obviously, the world's smallest violin plays for the Golden State Warriors at this point, but Clay coming back from injury, Steph and Draymond sticking through it after like two pretty pretty unremarkable to downright bad years and to get all the way to where they got to is pretty astonishing. And sometimes it might take like a couple of years to get there and I don't think that Kevin Durant is wrong for wanting mm-hmm. to play somewhere else or not see, see see out his time in Brooklyn. He very well may have signed that contract on the understanding that Kyrie was next and was going to get re-upped for the same amount of time as him Mm -hmm. and that they were, as they always have been, a package deal. And that's not like, it's not a crime for him to want to change his mind either if he decided like, this is not working out for me. This is not the right spot for Mm -hmm. me. But I just, I just kind of like, I hope it's not a, a sign of things to come where it just, none of it means anything and it's all like, the point is the churn and the point is the kind of transactional movement and not like the moment that we get at the end of the NBA season that we just saw.
2: Those to me feel like two different seasons almost. And I'm definitely in it way more for the actual games. And it's almost like we're watching those two things play out and they don't even, sometimes it feels like they don't even exist in a way that they impact the other. Like over the last, you know, since 2019, when the, when the nets were constructed, Mm-hmm. Um, the Raptors won the finals and the, and they beat the Warriors. And then it was the Lakers and the Heat and then the Bucks and the Suns. Aside from the Lakers bubble title, and obviously this year with the Celtics and the Warriors, right? Like these were pretty reasonably homegrown teams yeah. or some combination of, you know, you built your own culture and then you like for the Raptors, they bought in a guy like Kawhi Leonard for, for sure. that one season. Um, and I think maybe maybe teams are seeing that too, right? And maybe that's yeah. gonna make people a little bit hesitant to to completely go for go, go for broke for for K D. We don't really know. I mean, that's again, like that's why let's what's fascinating these are all kind of questions right like i don't really know what the answer is to any of them like it could just maybe maybe tomorrow memphis trades jaron jackson desmond bain and and brandon clark and like a bunch of picks mm-hmm. for, for for katie and like all, all that talk about like building something from from the ground up there just like kind of just doesn't really you know it turns out that that wasn't really as important right um I don't see that happening, particularly in Memphis, but, you know, a team like New Orleans also has something to consider in that situation, too. Um, And to me, like, that's what's one of the more fascinating things about this. Like, the more that I think about this, the more that I just feel like I don't know how much I'm mortgaging my actual future for four years, potentially four years of Kevin Durant. You don't really know if he's going to stay um, this goes. This goes for the teams that aren't on his list. This goes for all the Suns, the the non Suns, non Heat options, essentially. But even I guess if you're those teams, you got to worry about it too. Uh, but he's he's 33 years old, and he's going to be 37 at the end of that contract. And he's played he's played 90 regular season games in the last three years.
1: I, I I think that there's an entirely other conversation to have about whether or not like what it takes to get Kevin Durant means you're you're actually not a contender. I'm sure you're a playoff team. I'm sure if the right chips fall, like you find yourself where the Brooklyn Nets found themselves two seasons ago against Milwaukee, you know what I mean? Like we're making a run at it. But I gotta be honest, like it and it really pains me deeply to say this. Is is anybody who's gonna trade for Kevin Durant gonna be in this like like are they as, as good as Boston? Got by adding Brogdon and Gallo. And I, I, I don't mean that in like a galaxy brain way. I'm literally saying like, Boston went out and got a ball handler and another shooter. Like that's exactly what they need. Right. <laughs> and meanwhile, it's like, you're talking about trading for Kevin Durant. I'm sure Booker, Chris Paul, and Kevin Durant would be an astonishing trio on the floor.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But you're in the exact same situation in some ways that Brooklyn was in. Where you're like, it's these three guys. And if Chris Paul tears a hamstring, or Kevin Durant gets hurt, or this doesn't mm-hmm. work out, or Robert Sarver like becomes a huge distraction, which he already is, that anything could happen. like, And Phoenix could have just as many problems mm-hmm. as
2: Brooklyn has now. That's why, by the way, we like didn't mention this when we were talking about the Suns. Um, you want those picks. You want those draft picks if you're the Nets. like The Suns draft picks are kind of the most combustible out of Robert bunch. Sarver would probably <laughs> sell them to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like, Can you see the Price Jones? on the First Round care? pick these days? Hell no. <laughs>
1: Just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code Ringer20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.
0: This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match. With Indeed, Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. Um, before we get out of here, are there any other trade any other free agency deals or trades that you wanted to to share some thoughts let's,
2: on? Let's let's do a little bit on the Raptors and KD before we get out of here. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. So the big question in Raptor Land right now is revolves around Scotty Barnes mm-hmm. and whether you would put him in a deal for Kevin Durant. And when this first happened, um me and KOC and 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 Logan and, and Watts and a couple other people did a a Spotify green room live for about mm-hmm. like three hours just trying to suss out every option and at the time I was just thinking Scotty Barnes it hurts and any KD trade is gonna hurt but if it's four years of KD I don't know how you don't do it and over the last few days like kind of marinated on it and I've, I think I'm at the opposite end of this now then and, you don't do it yeah yeah and it's been really interesting to see like the mentality shift in raptors fans as well since like since the Kawhi year and they and they won a championship because when they first traded for Kawhi, like that city was like i can't believe we just let demar derozan the only star that's ever wanted to play with us go for a rental of Kawhi leonard who doesn't even want to be here and he's probably not that was the vibe oh my god the the, oh i thought it was like bad oh no the vibes were well okay so there's like piece of it was genuine heartbreak, right? Um, just because of the relationship that DeMar has with the city. Uh-huh. Like I think the city felt like, yo, you just traded this guy for somebody who doesn't want to be a Raptor. But that also had like the Raptors are basically like this team and like the city of Toronto is a sport. Like as as a basketball city especially is basically just like it was like it was like a girl I didn't realize she'd glo- like, she like she had a glow up yet. You know? <laughs> like <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, i was like, I don't know. I'm never gonna do better than Demar. Just like I can't, like I can't let him go, right? Um. Then all of a sudden, Kawhi shows up, and you know, like Toronto's cool, and I think players know it's cool, and it's gotten cooler in the last, like you know five years and and there's a lot of respect for the organization and and like that season in a way like obviously there's a a championship aspect of it that's going to always be like the most amazing thing but that season was also basically just like this audition that the Raptors were doing for the NBA mainstream and everybody came away impressed and I just think they Mm -hmm. have like a different reputation now and I think the fans have a different sense of what's possible now like they've won a championship so like they're like I think there's more of a ten- tendency to say yeah let's let's take this risk on Kevin Durant even though like his like you know formative experience of, with us is tearing his Achilles and watching fans cheer like he's might not necessarily be a fan right now but we can turn him maybe right. we can turn him and, and there's four years and like we've already got the, the bedrock for a contender going on here and I don't know it's really easy to get swept up in that and it's really it's good it's the kind of the way you want to be thinking more than the other way right um but also at the same time like kd so now you're in
1: you wouldn't do you wouldn't put scotty i wouldn't in, as like the the centerpiece of a that's that's interesting i wonder whether or not that has something to do with the current makeup of the raptors though which i think does have like Youth revolution, mm-hmm. like young players that we've all drafted, that were like are are kind of these plug and play with army knife dudes, and you can't tell what position anybody plays, but they're ours, and like we love them, you know. Like that, there is that element to it.
2: I also just watched um, a two K simulation on YouTube of the Hawks like next ten years with uh, Trey Young and and Deontay Murray. Uh, that part doesn't go well, um, and the Spurs winning championships. You need some but... TV show recommendations. <laughs> I where can I, I possibly get those? <laughs> it's a great moment for TV right now. There's like some
1: amazing shows on right now. You don't have to watch. I don't know why I'm giving you our tip. I just watched like 47 course vlogs for the golf course I just played at. So okay, it's but like, that's I understand. so
2: much more useful than what I did, honestly. Uh, um, but, but, I but that is interesting that.
1: because like I, I don't I don't feel the way you're talking about Scotty Barnes. I don't feel that way about like say, here are, Ty- Tyrese Max. Here are
2: his numbers for the 24-25 season.
1: Okay.
2: We've got... Wait, whose numbers? Scotty Barnes in the simulation. And this is
1: in this YouTube simulation yes. yeah. of the Hawks.
2: Yeah. Well, he's just happened. Okay. Like, you know, the whole league is part of these simulations, right? Of course. Um, We're all part
1: of a simulation, <laughs> obviously.
2: <laughs> so this is more of like a simulation within the simulation. Yeah. Um, 26 points per game. 13.7 rebounds. Is our podcast in the simulation?
1: Do we make it?
2: <laughs> um, you know, I didn't see us. Okay. I didn't see us. It's tough. Yeah, you know what? I don't know how much I believe in the simulation anymore. Um but se- 7.9 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, only 3 turnovers, and he's shooting 37% from 3. Like he's he's doing it all. He's doing yeah. it all. Well, but like so Scott- you've convinced me. <laughs> you're here. Yeah, you're here. Well, Scott- <laughs> Scotty Barnes is a player who actually has like he could be the headliner on a championship team one day. And that's far more like I guess the question becomes like, do you get more shots at it with this team, with a player like Barnes turning into a star and getting like the ten years of like really great play that that brings you, right? Versus maybe four years of Kevin Durant, and we don't really know how he's gonna feel about being here, and he's not Kawhi Leonard. Like you know, Kawhi was like kind of a robot, robot automaton who. Kind of, he got there and was like, eh, "I guess I'm here," and then slowly saw that this team could actually be something real and turned on the the superstar jets, right? Like, I don't know that that's the the way that Kevin Durant would approach a situation that he was unhappy with, right? Um, and I also just wonder. One of the things that was really special about that Raptors team was that it was the first championship. And even though Kawhi was new, every, but everything else was kind of a slow build of like, just, you know, watching Kyle Lowry as a, f- like, shed shed pounds and become a better playmaker and just grow up and all that stuff. Like, you h- had all those elements of that team as well. And it was the first championship. And I just don't know if, like a second mercenary championship would necessarily hit the same for Raptors fans. Interesting. You know, like, I just kind of wonder how it would feel the second time, especially now there's expectations of of greatness, whereas this was once a franchise where it's like, you couldn't imagine them winning a championship. Like we've come, they've they've come so far that I just wonder if like, this is now going to be the way that they want to do things. And they have, they have the star that you can build the rest of your future around and he's their type. And I don't know, it just looks good it looks good and I was thinking about how like even in the DeMar trade for for Kawhi um, and obviously granted it was less years the Raptors still then weren't willing to trade their future. They were willing to trade their present. They traded mm-hmm. DeMar and, and Yak in a first round pick. They weren't willing to put OG in that deal. Who's Just a second-year player at the time, they weren't willing to put Siakam, who was like a like coming off of his second year, going up and down from the G League and kind of having a cool spin move. But we don't really know what else is going on with this guy. like it it. was all just arms and limbs and potential. But it wasn't like it wasn't. It was definitely wasn't what Scotty Barnes showed in his rookie year. It wasn't on that level. So I just kind of wonder if the Raptors would even do it. Well, somehow
1: we've arrived at this place where Kevin Durant is seemingly available for a trade. But the only place that would really want to trade for him mm-hmm. and can trade for him is the place that he wants to go. And for that, we have you and the Scotty Barnes hive to thank.
2: <laughs> I would do Pascal and OG.
1: You, I mean, you should... You should I, that, that I, I, so you would do it if you could keep Scotty Barnes? Yeah. Yeah,
2: Yeah, because it's kind of worth... It's it's worth the risk of the guys that you kind of do know what they Do you think Pascal are. and OG
1: is a better deal than DeAndre and Mikhail.
2: I think Pascal is the best player in that deal, but Pascal's mm-hmm. also older than Aiden. Um, I think the thing where it falls apart for the Raptors is just that those, like the Raptors picks are not going to be as valuable or as potentially valuable as, as the Nets picks. Like that's, they've never really tanked. Um, yeah. and I just don't think that that's how they like roll or do things. So that probably won't happen unless there's like a post Messiah world there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I do like, wonder
1: though, next season is gonna be weird with the Victor stuff, because I do, do think that people teams are gonna do some f- some funky stuff in the second half of the season. He
2: really is such a raptor. See? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You've already predicted them. This side tank job. We should wrap it up there because uh, you know we 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 were doing this on a Saturday to just make sure we caught any other news. I'm glad we got the Zion stuff. We talked about Rudy. We talked about KD extensively. We know Scotty Barnes is untouchable now, uh, sir. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks to Devin for producing us today on a Saturday. Uh, Bill and Ryan will be back uh, tomorrow night, and we'll have a blanket of NBA shows and mismatches, and we're solo pods to keep keep you covered next week as we head into summer league. Uh, we'll see where this Kevin Durant's stuff. It could also just be, a. this could take a while, you know, like it could happen in the next 24 hours. It could happen in the next 24 weeks. I really don't know. So we'll keep our eye on it and you'll hear it here first. Thanks, sir. Thanks,
2: Chris.